Just do a quick sound check. How's the sound? Everyone can hear? So this afternoon I'm going to build on, uh, amplify and extend the instructions for metta practice and then we'll do a practice together. One thing that's really important in the cultivation of metta is that we can't force it. We can't make something happen. In fact, the energy of trying to make something happen is a kind of agitation that actually works at counter purposes to that. It's a little bit like willing yourself through force of effort to fall asleep. Like we all know how that works. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. But more than forcing anything to happen, you can think of what we're doing as we're cultivating a set of conditions in which metta can naturally flourish and arise. One of these conditions is continuity of practice. Donald spoke about making the practice more of a 24-7 endeavor, coming, following the schedule, using the sitting time for sitting, the walking time for actually walking. I think sometimes the walking meditation gets short shrift and it becomes tea time or break time. But the Buddha was quite clear, as I was sharing with my group, that awakening can happen in any posture. Standing, walking, lying down, sitting. Uh, The structure of the retreat creates these conditions which support the arising of metta, that we're in silence. How much agitation do we get from being in contact and communication from other people? We're letting that all settle down. There's not much to do. We have one job, and so we're simp- the simplification and activity, which also allows the system to calm down. The, the <clears throat> metta is at its root a concentration practice, so as we continue to practice, the mind becomes more collected, more gathered. There could be a sense of well-being in the mind and the body, which all of which supports the arising of metta. Also really helpful to have this attitude of meeting whatever's arising with metta, befriending whatever it is that we're experiencing in each moment. Um, <clears throat> there are kind of three categories of things we've already talked about and alluded to some of them that happen during the metta practice. Um, sometimes it feels very rote and mechanical or boring. Someone described it in my meeting as a chore. Uh, sometimes we call this phone book meta. It feels like I'm just like, phrases are like reading numbers out of the phone book. It's not engaging. <clears throat> this is quite normal. And you can have faith that because this is a concentration practice, if nothing else, coming back to the phrases again and again and again will help the mind collect and gather and furthering those conditions in which metta is likely to arise. The other thing that 
happens, already happening for some of you, is what we call the purification response. All the things that are in the way of metta begin to reveal themselves. All the things that are not metta, you know, irritation, reactivity, anger, grief, boredom, sadness. This is actually a sign that the practice is working. I've heard it described a couple ways that I really like. One is that the practice of metta is like running a magnet over the heart, and the magnet draws out its opposite. Uh, Or you can think about dirty clothes in a washing machine. And if you look in the little window in the front of the washing machine, the water is very dirty, but the dirty water is a sign that the clothes are getting clean. The third thing that often happens sooner or later is that we experience some manifestation of metta. And as Kairajul was suggesting, that's often a good time to just relax into and experience, build a kind of muscle memory for the physical manifestations of metta, and let it be nourishing. Um, <clears throat> there's a little bit of a art we can develop in moving from cultivation practice, where we're reciting the phrases, really inclining the mind towards the mind of metta, its friendliness, its benevolence, its goodwill, and using the power of awareness to help digest the experiences that are arising. So I think more or less my encouragement in the beginning of the retreat is to see if you can stick with the phrases and the cultivation and let the other energies kind of be in the background. Um, And then sometimes they won't stay in the background, or sometimes it is actually more fruitful to invite the experience in. So we experience sadness. So what we can turn from a recitation of the phrases to opening to the felt sense visceral experience of sadness. How does it manifest in the body? Where is there tightness? Where is there tension? What's the aching, longing feeling that's in sadness. Meeting that with a kind attention and allowing those energies to, to do their thing, to move, to change, to ultimately move through. And a little bit of a caution flag that you know, we want to stay in our zone of tolerance. So quite common in this practice that very strong emotions will arise or trauma that's stored in the body will manifest. And um, I like to have an ongoing inquiry when I'm practicing in that mode of like, is this experience manageable in this moment? An honest assessment of, am I sufficiently resourced to have the capacity to bear this difficult experience? And then to also be honest in moments where it may be more nourishing to the system to really like either just focus on the breath or open the eyes or have some other way of staying in that zone of regulation. Let's say a couple of things about the phrases. Uh, I'm going to offer yet another set of phrases. I 
I tend to prefer sim the simple phrases, but encouragement to find phrases that work for you. One issue that I've noticed that often comes up around the issues, uh, the phrases of that include concepts like safety or health. You know, I've had people say, well, how can I ever be safe? Like anything could happen anytime. Or maybe someone has a chronic illness or even a, you know, a really bad diagnosis. And so health isn't really on the table in a certain kind of way. So I have a couple of responses to that. One is that it's just a wish. Like when we say, um, have a safe trip, it's a wish that someone has a safe But we don't think that that's going to stop their flight from being canceled or a traffic jam or, you know, door falls off their airplane. You know, anything can happen. <laughs> so, but, but the wish is important because that's flavoring the heart. It's really more about this flavoring of the heart. And if it's more helpful, you could use a phrase like, may you feel safe or may I feel safe. So the feeling of safety might be different from actual safety or may I be as healthy as possible. These are some of the ways if that is an obstacle to you to work with those phrases. Um, make up your own phrases. Just make sure they have the flavor of metta in them. Um, for example, a phrase, may you not be such a jerk. <laughs> it's not a good metta phrase. If you um, have a native tongue or a heart language, it can be quite helpful to translate these phrases into your native tongue or your heart language. You might play with that and see how it affects the practice. <clears throat> and the last thing I wanted to say is something about this word benefactor. We use this word benefactor, and there's a particular cultural context that this comes from. Um, in ancient India and to some degree in modern India, there's a culture where there is reverence for elders. There's that kind of guru culture where people have follower, you know, follow a guru and that guru becomes kind of a benefactor. Um, there's a very strong spirit of apprenticeship, people learning their trades or their professions through apprenticeship. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people to have benefactors. When I was a kid, my, I went to India. Every relative had all kinds of advice for me. And as an American person, I just found it kind of like offensive and irritating until my father explained that like they feel that it's their duty to impart their wisdom on you. And that really changed my sense of um, what this relationship with a benefactor is. So in this culture, many of us don't have benefactors because the culture is not set up that way. So I have got, come to call the benefactor the easy being. And for me, the easiest beings are baby goats. <laughs> or really baby anything, you know, that's just like they can do no wrong. They're just being themselves. Uh, and so the strong encouragement with metta is start where it's easy and stay, you know, like it, it, it will... It will generate more easily if we stay with the easy person, uh, the easy being, uh, and then there's less struggle, which creates less agitation. <clears throat> it's also really helpful in the metta practice if you can be as comfortable as possible. 
hard to generate goodwill when you know we're in pain. So finding a posture that's as comfortable as possible in this moment. And just taking a moment to feel the groundedness of the body, the points of contact with the earth. Maybe letting go of any extra effort that you fully sink into your seat. And maybe checking in with the heart, the heart center of the body. It can be supportive to place the hand there and feel the gentle touch and warmth of your hand. And for a moment, just connecting with and welcoming however it is in the heart in this moment. And then while maintaining some sense of connectedness to the heart center of the body, bringing to mind a mental image of an easy being, or a felt sense of what it's like to be in that being's presence. Maybe even a being that naturally brings a smile to your face. And there's no complexity in wishing them well. So with this connectivity to the heart center of the body, this felt sense of the easy being, offering them phrases, may you be happy, may you be safe, May you be healthy, and may you be at ease. I'm letting the phrases be in a gentle, soft, soothing inner voice. And finding a rhythm that makes it easier to stay present with the phrases. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be at ease.
When you really feel into the sincerity of the wish, the beauty of this wish, it can be like dropping a pebble into a pond. Offer the phrase, it's dropping the pebble, and then we open to the ripples in the heart. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, and may you be at ease. Just letting the practice be gentle, steady, patient, relaxed. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. Anytime you wish, you can switch to metta for self. And if metta for self is challenging, then perhaps imagining your easy being wishing well for you and receiving their well wishes.
key to this practice is every time you notice that the attention has wandered, to begin again, to lovingly begin again, a sense of devotion to this cultivation.
in a few moments when I ring the bell, see if you can maintain the sense of continuity of practice through the transition. Thank you for your practice. So we have a little bit of time for questions. Um, Jonathan is offering again to run the mic. Maybe if you have a practice discussion meeting coming up, you could save your question for that time. Um, throughout that meditation, I was questioning, wondering about how much I should be focusing on the words that I'm um, focused on as opposed to the the feelings and the emotions that I'm feeling. And I was wondering if y'all could speak on where to concentrate. Ultimately, the practice is to generate the feelings, but the the words are a kind of a tool or a a means to an end. Um, So one way is to feel into the meanings of of the words as you drop in the phrase and then notice if there's an impact to those words in the heart. So it can be a kind of... um, Offering and receiving or offering and opening, like a movement of the mind to towards cultivation will recite a phrase and then ultimately the point of reciting that phase is that it has some impact you know, over time. Um, so it can be a kind of movement of offering and receiving or offering and checking in, experiencing. Does that help? You must be doing a really good job because you have no questions. <laughs> Over here, Jonathan. Hi. You're talking about the feelings of meta. I'm curious what it feels like to you guys. Because I, I think I'm feeling something, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, there are words that we could use to point to this, but it's like if I were, if you were to say, "What does an orange taste like?" You know, I'm not really going to know the experience until you taste the orange. I might say things like tangy or sweet or juicy. Um, so, in that spirit, you know, fingers pointing at the moon. Um, often, people experience a sense of warmth or a sense of openness or a sense of like. Uh, Less, I notice that my mind is frequently at war with circumstances. It's like a low-grade battle going on. Try like turn all the dials so that everything is just to my comfort. That kind of sense falls away for me when there's a feeling of metta. Sometimes there's a feeling of uh, you know an almost psychedelic feeling of like only love makes sense anymore you know that's a more extreme manifestation where you can't even imagine the motivations behind ill will or um, hostility or aversion and sometimes it's just like a kind of like a a half smile of the buddha you know like everything's kind of okay and i'm welcoming everything that's happening in this moment with a kind of equanimity Um, i think this is actually an important thing that um you know, one of the foundations of mindfulness that we practice is mindfulness of Vedana or feeling tone, the experience of something being pleasant or unpleasant. And the mind is frequently notices the things that are very unpleasant and the things that are not, uh, that are very pleasant. But often in the neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, we kind of zone out or we get disinterested or it seems a little dull or boring. But actually, in the neither pleasant nor unpleasant, there's the seed of equanimity. Like there's no there's no complaint really in a neutral experience. This, sometimes the experience of metta can be sort of like you know, it doesn't be like jumping up and down and dancing. It can just be like a simple kind of peacefulness of the moment. And I'm sure as many people as there are in the room, you can have different expressions of what that feels like. Thank you. Um, So uh, when I imagine something like a baby doe, or uh, I feel very protective and I have a, a loving sense, but it feels different than when I'm, like imagining a benefactor who's done amazing things like the Dalai Lama or something who really doesn't need my protection, but it feels like love in both senses, but I, I have a, a much different stance towards the, towards the object. So could you speak to that? Yeah, pick, pick the one that's less complicated. Pick, pick the one that's requiring less of you, that's more of a, like a pure in whatever way. And that might even change from time to time, so you can keep checking in to see um, how it feels. Question over here. Um, Okay, so sometimes, uh, like, I'll have an easy person or an easy object or an easy thing and then or maybe it's it's just myself and then 
like another person comes up and they're fine too. So like they're good and then maybe another two people or whatever. Um, and, and they're easy also, um, as easy as I am anyway. Um, so I was just wondering, is it like, is it wise to dismiss them and go back to the first one? Or should I invite them all in and like see if they want to hang for a bit? Or... <laughs> and then if, if I do dismiss them, what's a nice way to do that? Because <laughs> like <laughs> at any time there's a party in there and, you know, sometimes it's chill, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes people want to hang out. And <laughs> This is a, a, a good question. You know, I'd say generally it, it, it's helpful to pick um, a being and stick with that being at least for that practice. And we can get into kind of like a project about, you know, people have like you know, beings that are showing up or coming in or out, or sometimes people will say, you know, you don't, you don't want to leave anyone out of that. Uh, and I think largely that's, I would say that's mostly in the realm of distraction, that the person you pick isn't so important it's just to give you some place to you know for that energy to land or that sentiment to land and if people are showing up despite you know like uninvited i would just say invite them in But one of the one of the characteristics, as Charajul was saying, of Meta is that it is immeasurable. It's boundless. It's infinite. So, whoever shows up, there's more than enough to go around. Yeah, I'm. I wonder what you would say if I say I'm experiencing, I guess, what I call a kind of interference with my long-standing mindfulness practice of bare attention, almost a kind of resistance to to doing meta all the time. Like, you know, having learned all these years that, you know, concentration practice is only one step toward insight and, uh, and find my, finding myself often, especially with walking and eating and, and, other, and moving out of the, the hall, that gets even more difficult to sort of think about how am I doing meta when I've always done this as mindfulness practice. So I thought if you could comment at all, how is that okay for me to just kind of be switching back into mindfulness and away from the meta, or what suggestion might be you give me to sort of calm that almost, I suppose one could say, attachment yeah. <laughs> to mindfulness. Yeah. <clears throat> it's quite common. We get used to a particular mode of practice, and then a new mode of practice um, feels you know, there's resistance or uh, aversion. And sometimes that sense of, I'm calling it resistance, or maybe irritation, um, is a kind of purification practice. I got exposed to the metta practice early on in my practice, and I I thought it was ridiculous because every time I practiced metta, I got agitated. Because no one told me that that was like something to work through, that something that was revealing itself. So that's one level, is just to treat that as a purification energy and that's a good time to switch to your um, vipassana practice to shine the light of awareness on that experience, to feel it in the body. Maybe you notice there's a story, maybe you notice there's an emotion, and maybe you can kind of uh, tease it apart into the elemental 
here's heat, here's pressure, here's vibration, watch that change um, until the mind gets distracted, until maybe it resolves and it's gone, or more likely the mind gets distracted and then you could come back to a kind of gentle cultivation practice. All the fruits of the cultivation of that mindfulness practice will be really helpful when there's a lot of purification energy, um, which happens for quite a lot of people on these retreats. So, uh, I think, yeah, okay, one more. Where are you? <laughs> okay. So I think I've heard it said that it's not appropriate to practice metta, say, with a benefactor who's no longer living. Yeah. Is that the case? And um, if the point is the feelings and there's somebody who's, you know, recently, you know, or past couple years, say, passed away, um, and that person, I can easily come up with metta feelings. Yeah, there's, there's, kind of, there's, there's kind of a difference of opinion on this. You know, some folks say that uh, um, if the person is deceased, there could be uh, hidden streams of grief or sadness that interfere with metta. Um, I heard a Burmese meditation teacher say that metta is a force in the world, and if you practice with someone who's not in this realm, then that force has nowhere to land. Um, I'm sort of agnostic on that point. And then, you know, if it works for you, maybe it's fine. These are kind of the range of views that people have. Um, I tend to be less orthodox than some and say, try it out, but be aware for streams of um, grief or sadness that might... um, either be a subject for, you know, like a purification process or actually somehow interfering with the cultivation of metta. Um, okay, we'll stop there. And um, we have practice discussion meetings coming up and chair yoga coming up in the room here. Oh, is it walking? When's the chair yoga? What? Everyone else walking. Everyone else walking, yeah. <laughs> right. And I have a just a quick um, request for Hua Jin, Hua Jin P. Um, yeah, if you could just uh, meet me outside right after this. Thanks. <laughs>